Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau says Canada has no plans to recognize the Taliban as Afghanistan's legitimate government. When they were in government 20 years ago, Canada did not recognize them as a government. Uh, They have taken over and replaced a duly elected democratic government by force, and they are a recognized terrorist organization under Canadian law. The Conservatives propose a GST holiday. As Prime Minister, I will implement a month-long GST holiday this December. All purchases will be tax-free for a month. And the Progressive Conservatives win a majority in Nova Scotia's provincial election. We made history in this election. And not just here in Nova Scotia, but in all of Canada. We proved that just because there is a pandemic, doesn't mean government gets a free pass. It's Wednesday, August 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories from the campaign trail this morning. We're joined by... Longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. So it's great timing to have you on today uh, from Nova Scotia, the morning after an election in that province. Uh, what happened there that led to what some people are describing as a surprise conservative majority? And what do you think it means for the federal election campaign that's now underway? Well, I I think it is fair to say that it was quite surprising um, that the progressive conservatives, who they still are that here in Nova Scotia, uh, that they were able to topple uh, the liberal government. But, uh, you know, a lot had changed between the past election in 2017 when Stephen McNeil was uh, the premier and leader of the Liberal Party. Uh, And since his retirement from politics... Uh, you know, Ian Rankin took over. Rankin was untested, young, unproven. He was a very junior cabinet minister under McNeil. And uh, he just never really got a grip on what was going on around the province, where McNeil had shown really impressive leadership on the pandemic, for instance, and had shown a very um, strong willingness to tackle big public policy issues and and public service unions and things like that. Um, uh, Rankin, it was hard to understand what he stood for among this whole thing. And and if you ask me, if you look at the way the campaign played out here, the Tories actually campaigned to the left of the Liberals on many many measures. Uh, You know, they're promising to spend a heck of a lot of money on health care, and health care is a a really... uh, profound endemic issue here in Nova Scotia. So um, it was surprising that the that the Tories won a majority, uh, but not really that surprising that the Liberals locally here in Nova Scotia were in trouble. And what do you think it means more broadly? There, there was a line from Tim Houston, the premier-elect, saying that uh, that, he, or I guess we should say, premier designate. Um, that yep. that uh, that this shows that uh, even in a pandemic, governments can be held to account. Uh, do you do you think there are any implications federally, or or not? Well, it does suggest that um, you know merely the fact of a pandemic does not ensure re-election of the uh, incumbent party. Um, you know, there are some different things going on in the sense that um, I would not take too much uh, from it in terms of the prospects for the federal conservatives, because they're still very unpopular in this part of the of the world. Um, 
the the conservatives here, as I said, are definitely of the red Tory. Uh, Tim Houston, who I know a little bit, is they are all of the red Tory kind of persuasion. Uh, the right wing anti-vax uh, sort of you know caucus is not strong among the conservatives here. The Houston party promised to spend more money, not less, on things like health care and emergency services and rural uh, issues. And um, so the conservatives returned to their kind of their roots. They, they won many, many seats here that they traditionally were strong in over the decades um, and had, had been offset by the fact that McNeil himself was a rural MLA. And, and was able to muster a rural vote that the Liberals ordinarily don't get. So what happened was Halifax and region went again for the NDP and the Liberals, and the rest of the province more or less for the Tories. But, they, I mean, Tim Houston has uh, gone out of his way to distance himself from Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole was never here during the provincial election, um, the federal Tories are not popular among provincial Tories here, I don't think, because it's uh, the party changed, um, you know, in the in the past. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was an appetite for change here in Nova Scotia. Whether that translates nationally, I don't think is a given. Um, it, it's an indication of something, but I don't think it means that uh, suddenly the winds of change are sweeping the country. All right, let's turn to the federal campaign. And what do you what do you make of uh, the discussion that's emerged uh, about Afghanistan in the early days of this campaign and the different positions the parties have taken on Canada's responsibilities there? Well, you know, I I don't know. I mean, watching this whole thing evolve, you know, just this unfolding tragedy. Um, but again, this is not, you know. Uh, the federal liberal government did not bring about the situation in Afghanistan. This was a Western USA kind of adventure that has gone on far too long and that was slowly winding itself towards some conclusion. It was always going to be messy, violent, and and dangerous uh, at the end, just as it's been all along. Um, I mean, I, I do think it's, it is uh, a massive responsibility of whatever government is in Ottawa to do everything possible to help the Afghans who, who uh, so courageously uh, helped the Canadians, you know, diplomatically and militarily over the years in Afghanistan. I hope we're able to get as many people out there. I see there are some flights already arriving, and uh, the Liberal uh, party and the Liberal government has to show everything it can, you know, that it's doing everything possible to get those people out of there. And, and I think the other parties should be very careful, and so should the Liberals, at overly politicizing this situation because it's not a result. None of the things that are happening in, the, in Afghanistan are the result of any Canadian policy or 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 role in the world. So uh, we we are takers of the price on this one, almost in the way. Uh, uh, Canada has been with COVID. All right, let's talk about uh, the platform uh, that the Conservatives have unveiled so far. And yesterday, uh, another announcement was made uh, by Aaron O'Toole that there would be, under a Conservative government, a GST holiday on many purchases in the month of December. Um, this is, you know, there, there's mixed reaction to it from businesses and from economists and that sort of thing. There are people saying, oh, people are going to delay their spending from November into December and it's, it's going to hurt January even more, which is typically a bad retail month. Um, it won't really create more spending in the long run. 
but it also has the feel of of something that is, people will notice and is relevant to them in the way that when Stephen Harper reduced the GST, the percentage that was being charged, uh, there were economists saying that's not the best way to reduce taxes, and yet uh, it did resonate with people. So what do you make of that? It's a gimmick. It is a flat-out election campaign gimmick. And it's very, very reminiscent of uh, recent Conservative Party policy positions, which are... uh, dreamed up to tinker with little bits and pieces and edges of the tax system. I mean, you have a party, Mark, where, you know, I don't know, a high percentage of the members seem to think that taxation itself is some sort of immoral and unethical, you know, thing. Uh, Remember Stephen Harper, every tax is a bad tax. Um, so, I mean, this just seems like gimmickry to me and the kind of stuff you only hear during election campaigns. Uh, uh, just the administrative uh, burden of trying to figure that out on every cash register in Canada for one month and then put the whole thing back in at the end of the month. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like serious tax policy to me. I mean, let's have a position on what you're going to do about the, uh, about the deficit, how that's going to be reduced. Taking a very lucrative tax away is not going to help reduce the uh, burden of the deficit that's been on, run up by the Liberals during this uh, COVID crisis. So, you know, it, it just comes off to me as one of those silly things that comes up in an election campaign that uh, a year later you can't even remember uh, that it was raised. So I don't take it too seriously, but it is time for a serious discussion on on what to do about taxation and the deficit, for sure. All right. And the other uh, dominant theme so far in the election campaign has been the issue of vaccination and whether uh, public servants uh, should uh, be required to be immunized uh, or whether there should be consequences for them if they're not. Um, Jagmeet Singh has talked about having Uh, All public servants uh, fully vaccinated by Labor Day or they face consequences. The prime minister alluded to consequences yesterday. Uh, And of course, Aaron O'Toole has been defending people's right to choose at the same time as he has been saying vaccines are a good thing and and must be done. Uh, So how, how do you see this playing out in the days ahead? And is it realistic to get to a point where we're actually punishing people, giving them consequences if they are not vaccinated? Well, I, I don't think we'll get to the point where people are going to be punished for it, Mark. I do think, though, that uh, it will be increasingly difficult. If, you know, if we're going through a fourth wave and then there's a fifth and a sixth wave because of these variants keep coming up and the variants are arising in the unvaccinated population, sooner or later those people have to realize they have a responsibility to society to do everything in their power to stop this happening and, and stop it getting into... Uh, you know, the under 12s and, and uh, the vulnerable people in our society. Um, I noticed the noted liberal Doug Ford is said, talking about kicking out unvaccinated uh, uh, MPPs from the Conservative caucus in Ontario. So, you know, there are going to be consequences. Maybe you're not going to be able to enjoy travel and entertainment and, and things like that if you insist on uh, not being vaccinated. Um, is that a punishment? I don't know. I mean, uh, you, you know, we all agree that you have to have a driver's license to drive and that you have to, uh, you know, get your, your shots to put the kids in school and things like that. Um, and I think people who make the conscious decision not to um, 
do everything possible to do their part in keeping society safe, those people are going to face consequences and social consequences, but also potentially uh, regulatory and other types of consequences that come about as a a result that they just won't recognize their role in public safety. So that has to end. But I can't see the thought police or the vaccine police showing up at your door and and bundling in off in the back of a black SUV because you haven't got your vaccine yet. I don't see that happening. Yeah. All right, Dan, great stuff. Good to be talking to you again. We'll chat again uh, next week as the campaign continues. Okay, Mark. Thanks for the call. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Affordable child care for millions of families. Hundreds of thousands of people who can get back into the workforce, mostly moms. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hébert argues, For Aaron O'Toole, a fight over child care is the wrong one to pick with Justin Trudeau. Hébert writes, It may be that after decades of broken promises, a critical mass of voters would rather take up the conservative offer of cash in hand than gamble that the Liberals will come through on their commitment. But by choosing to fight the Liberals on their child care plan... Aaron O'Toole is offside with a policy that is not only popular with voters, but also enjoys the support of the other main parties. And it is a battlefield on which he cannot count on most premiers to have his back. In the National Post, Tasha Carradine considers how the Bloc Québécois could deny Justin Trudeau his majority. Carradine writes, The Bloc has set itself a target of 40 ridings, hoping to wrest eight from both the Grits and the Tories. Justin Trudeau knows that if the bloc makes gains in Quebec, he can kiss his dreams of majority government goodbye. So expect a lot of attention paid to La Belle Province in the coming 34 days. In McLean's, Andrew McDougall argues Justin Trudeau is off to a slow start. McDougall writes, Trudeau has said the current election is the most important since 1945, but he seems to have forgotten to tell his campaign to get a move on. With the stakes so high, making your first policy announcement a relatively low-wattage one about arts policy seems an odd choice. If you're going to talk the talk, you had better walk the walk. And yet, Trudeau is, so far, choosing to crawl. Now here's what's coming up on the campaign trail. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will be in British Columbia, where he will make an announcement at the Vancouver Convention Centre. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make a pair of announcements in Quebec City before attending an event with supporters. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will make an announcement and speak with the media in Burnaby, British Columbia. He will also attend virtual events with the NDP candidate for Winnipeg North and the candidate for Essex, Ontario, followed by a visit to a small business in Burnaby. Green Party leader Annamy Paul will be in the riding of Toronto Centre, where she will make an announcement about Canada's social safety net. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will make several stops in Quebec, including a news conference to speak about border management during the pandemic. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, August 18th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday at 12 Eastern Time on CPAC. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.